since the emoji mailer uh, hit mailboxes, and since we started promoting it on social media, the most asked question, debated, discussed issue has all related to this emoji right here. Uh, many of you have had questions about exactly what that means. As a matter of fact, as soon as it hit, hit mailboxes, I got a, a message from somebody that doesn't even go to our church. A friend of mine here in the community doesn't even go to our church. And his question was, are you the guys that sent that out? Because I have another friend who started a whole long discussion that you guys must not know what that means. <laughs> I said, yeah, that was us. We, we, we did that. And we sent that out. Uh, so a, a lot of you have caught me in the lobby and asked, what's that going to be about? Oh, even one person in our church who shall remain nameless, but her name's Robin Ireland, she stopped me in the lobby one Sunday, and she grabbed one of the mailers, and she said, what do you think this means? Because she thought somebody had told me that it was something else, and I believed them, and we mailed out this whole mailer, and I didn't know what we had mailed out. I know what it means. I, I know what it means. Um, or at least I know some of the things that it means. All right? Because we, some of us have debated in the lobby, is it ice cream? Is it chocolate ice cream? If you go online, you'll find this one of the big debates of the Internet because this emoji actually looks identical to the shape of the ice cream in the ice cream cone emoji. So could be ice cream. Um, some of you went with pudding. Right? You thought... Well, it's pudding. Obviously, that's, it, it's pudding, but um, come on, it's not pudding. <laughs> it's, not, it's a smiley pile of poo, right? <laughs> um, we all know that. So let me give you a history lesson on emojis. Uh, maybe should have done this the first week, but emojis actually started in Japan. They were a creation of uh, Japanese artists, and they were using them in Japan long before we ever knew about them. As a matter of fact, uh, from my extensive research, uh, I found out that in Japanese, e means image and moji means character. So it's an image of a character. And uh, so Japan was all excited about this. And actually, it was Google that first brought them to America. And so as, as they were working on, as they were debating which ones would be in the initial package that Google would uh, release for Gmail and eventually for, you know, text uh, got in on it. As well, this particular emoji, for reasons that you can understand, was greatly debated as to whether they were going to include it in the initial package. And, and the folks who were working on the Japanese end were saying, look, this is like the favorite one. You have to include this one. And some of you remember, it started out not looking like this. It actually started out as animated with little flies around it, right? which is definitely not ice cream, right? So... Well, it was included, and uh, so then the next question is, okay, well, what does it mean? What's the definition? Here's how the folks at Google define the meaning. It means, that's unfortunate, and I would like to punctuate my comment with the reiteration that I am displeased at what has just been expressed. <laughs> so when you use this emoji... That's what you're saying. Again, that's unfortunate. I would like to punctuate my comment in a re with a reiteration that I am displeased at what has just been expressed. Or if you need a shorter one, uh, this is from one of the uh, Japanese 
uh, product managers, it says, I don't like that, but softly. You can use your imagination as to what softly must mean in this context. But anyway, that's what it means. I don't like that. They also said, it's the anti-like. It's the anti-like. I don't like that. So then the next question is, what does it have to do with this series? And in particular, what does it have to do with hope? Well, first, let's be honest. If a pile of poop can smile, there's hope for the rest of us, right? I mean, that's enough, right? There's, there's hope for all of us. But here's, here's what I'm going for today. Here's why I chose this one. Because we all have I don't like that moments in our life, don't we? All of us do. All of us have anti-like. We have... I don't like that decisions that get made and we have to deal with them. We have, I don't like that circumstances. All of us do in our life. We have, I don't like that diagnosis, right? We, we have our kids who make decisions and we think as parents, I don't like that. We have, I don't like that endings to relationships. Sometimes our marriages get in places And we think, I don't like that. All of us have. I don't like that times in our lives. When do we most need hope? Is it when everything is going well? Is it when our 401k is fully funded and growing? Is it when we got a job promotion? Is it when our marriage is awesome and everything's going smoothly? Or do we most need hope in the I don't like that moments? The moments, the poopy moments. I'm trying to see how many times I can say poopy in one message. (laughs) I've never said poopy in a message before. It's the darkest times, right? It's the hard times. It's the stinky times. It's, It's the difficult times of life that suddenly our heart realizes I need hope. I need to believe in something. I I need to believe that good is coming. And and on the one hand, we always need hope. I, I, I realize that. We're just most aware of it when times are difficult and challenging. I chaperoned the youth to uh, Six Flags yesterday. Some of you saw some pictures. And uh, right off the bat, they, they wanted to ride acrophobia. Now, if you are not familiar with this torture device, it's one in which they strap you in, and then they take you straight up three miles up into the air, and they let you hang there. I had never ridden this ride before. How many of you have ever ridden acrophobia at Six Flags? How many of you have not ever ridden Okay, these are the people God loves right here because (laughs) he has protected them from this encounter in their life. And he had protected me up until yesterday. I don't know what sin I committed, but yesterday his protection was gone because I I was with, you know, 13-year-old girls. And how can you say as the pastor, I'm not going to do that when all the 13-year-old girls are going to do it. So I got, I strapped in 
and it's strapped in, it's kind of loose. There's this thing that comes over you, and basically it's a seat belt that looks rather frayed. The safety check is they pull it one time, and they, they keep going to the next one. That's, all, that's the only safety check by a 16-year-old kid that you get. And then sure enough, away you go, three miles up. Um, and, and you're spinning around as you go up, and then you stop. And at the top, your chair kind of tilts forward. So, <laughs> you're tracking with me. This, this was me too, right? right? My whole system is like, what are you doing? And this is what you could see impending death, right? You're staring it in the face. To make things worse, there's a, there's a 17-year-old girl at the bottom with the, the microphone, and she's singing a mocking song to you because you don't know when she's going to push the button. And so she's mocking you. And if I could have gotten my hands on her, <laughs> I'd be in jail today. She's mocking you until it turns loose and you plummet to the ground. You know when you need hope? <clears throat> When you're standing, when you're sitting at the top and, and you're looking down and you're waiting and you're waiting and, and, and life is mocking you the whole time. You need hope then. College football fans, we're kicking off this week, right? How many of you are excited about college football? How many of you couldn't care less about college football? <laughs> Who needs hope this college football season? It's not Alabama, I tell you that. Hey, nobody likes you, Alabama fans. Nobody likes you. Look, if you're an Alabama fan, you don't need hope. You got Nick Saban. You don't, you don't need hope. As much as it pains me to say, if you're a Clemson fan, you don't need hope. You got Deshaun Watson, best player in college football. You don't need hope. You know who needs hope? South Carolina needs hope. Our head football coach has already failed once at being a head football coach. We got no premier players. I'm watching videos after practice uh, last week, and they're, they're interviewing uh, like four of our defensive backs, and I'm convinced every one of them was 5'9", 145 pounds. <laughs> like, it would be great if we were playing middle school. It would be great. I mean, if if you got the coach and you got the players, you don't need hope. You just need to go play the game. Well, we need hope. When things are hard. Like when things are coming unraveled, when things are uncertain, when we don't have answers, that's when we need hope. Abraham, huge, towering figure in the Old Testament. Patriarch of our faith. Really, he's the... He's claimed by three different religions as one of their prophets or as their, as their patriarch. I mean, you've got to be a big dude. You've got, you, you got to have it together. If you're claimed by three different religions, they all point to you and say, yeah, he's the father of our... This, that's what Abraham is. In the New Testament in Romans, <clears throat> Paul is reflecting on Abraham's life to help us understand God and our relationship and faith and what that looks like. And as a part of this reflection... 
Paul describes Abraham in Romans chapter 4, verse 18 in this way. Against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham Against all hope. In other words, there was no reason for him to hope. Like, if you looked at the circumstances, if you tried to find evidence, if you want to find facts, there was none. There was no reason for him to be hopeful. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. I mean, that's when we need hope. When when there's no good reason to hope. And here's this Huge figure in our faith, and there was this time in his life when there was no reason to hope other than he just believed God. Here's the bad news. I'll give you the bad news. The bad news is all of us are going to get bad news at some point in our life, throughout our life. The bad news is all of us are going to have bad days. We're going to have bad weeks. We're going to have bad months. We're going to have bad seasons. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. Even in the bad news, God can help us hope. Even in the bad times, God can give us hope. And Abraham's story was, was a reminder. See, God had come to Abraham and he'd said, you're going to be the father of many nations. Your descendants, they're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. You're not going to be able to count them all. The problem was, not only did Abraham not have many descendants, Abraham didn't have any descendants, not one, not a son, not a daughter, not anything. And Abraham's getting older this whole time, and God had promised this to him. And yet, with every turn of the calendar and every wrinkle that got deeper in his face, and the more he aged, Paul looks back on his life and said, you know, when nobody else was hoping... Abraham was still hoping. He was still believing. In spite of his circumstances, it was still in his heart. Here's a definition for hope. I'm sure there's a lot of good definitions. Here's the one we'll use today. Hope is a confident and eager expectation of something good. A confident expectation. In other words, I know I can trust. I believe. I'm confident that good is coming. And eager. I'm ready for it. I want it. I want to get there. It's a confident and eager expectation of something good. There's kind of two parts to hope, especially the way the Bible uses hope. <clears throat> there's, there's the attitude part, the attitude of hopefulness, the feeling part, the emotion of it, which is what we want, isn't it? Like the positive outlook, the hopeful attitude. Well, we want that. It's often what we talk about when we say, I need hope. We want that hopeful attitude, and, and that's a part of hope. But the, the other way, and the main way the Bible talks about hope is the content of that for which we hope. Like, what are we hoping in? What are we hoping for? Where are we resting our hope? Not just do we feel hopeful, even though that's important. Not just do we feel positive. But what are we hoping for? What are we hoping in? And I I think it's safe to say that most of the time we want the feeling first, right? Like I want to feel hopeful. 
But that's really not the way hope works. Hope, hope works this way. I put my hope in something I can trust, something I believe, something I'm confident in. And when I rest my hope there, the feelings follow. I begin to feel hopeful because I've put my hope in something strong enough to bear my hopes. Or maybe not something, maybe someone. See, if you talk to people who have lost hope, who struggle with hope, a lot of times it's because they've put their hope in the wrong things. They're counting on things that'll disappoint. They're hoping in things that can't bear the weight of their hope. And we find this warning all throughout the Bible. The Bible continuously warns us to be careful not to put our hope in the wrong things. Don't have misplaced hope because you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you put your hope in things that can't handle your hopes. Here's an example from Paul. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Paul says, don't don't put your hope in stuff, because you don't know that you're going to have stuff. You don't know that you're going to get more stuff. You don't know that that stuff is going to satisfy you anyway. Don't put your hope in stuff, getting new stuff, getting more stuff. If I could just get this stuff, if I could have their stuff. Paul says, don't. Don't put your hope in material things because you're going to get disappointed. The, the psalmist says it this way in Psalm 33. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. Again, this is, this is his way of saying, don't put your hope in the wrong things. Don't think more and bigger, and this is going to solve your problem. This is going to make things magically go away. Just A bigger army doesn't always guarantee victory. It's, it's okay to have a bigger army. That's not a bad thing. It's, it's okay to have a strong horse. Uh, the psalmist is simply saying, your hope's got to reside in something bigger than that, bigger than stuff, bigger than what you can see. We're even warned not to put our hope in people. Proverbs 11.7 says, Hopes placed in mortals die with them. All the promise of their power comes to nothing. Like If you rest your hope in a person, if you think a person is going to fix everything for you, make everything better for you, you're going to be disappointed. And the proverb writer says, when they die, your hope's going to die too. But it's not even when they die. Most of us, if we're 20 years old or older, We've put our hope in a person and we've been disappointed before. We've believed in, trusted in somebody and they've disappointed us. But here's why. No human is created to be able to bear the weight of your hopes. They're just not. I'm not. Your, your spouse isn't. Your friends isn't. Aren't your, your boss isn't. No human is created to bear that weight. Only God can bear that weight in us of our hopes. Another way to misplace hopes is to put our hopes in our circumstances. If they're going well, to to believe, all right, this is finally, everything's right. This is the way it's supposed to be. We just want to keep things like they are. 
things don't stay the way they are. Or hoping that in my future, if I could just change these circumstances, if I could just fix this, if I could just get that job, if I could just marry that person. If we rest our hope in our circumstances, our circumstances are going to change or we're going to get those circumstances and we're going to realize that didn't satisfy me. Because circumstances aren't enough to bear the weight of our hopes. And yet, Abraham, against all hope, believed in hope. See, his circumstances weren't hopeful. He hadn't seen any evidence yet. All he had was a promise. All he had was a God that he trusted and believed in and a God who had spoken to him. And ultimately, if you and I are going to walk through life and relationships and circumstances, good and bad, with an eager and confident expectation of good, it's going to be because we rest the hope of our lives in God. It's a familiar verse. A lot of you know it. Some of you have it on calendars or coffee mugs, screensavers. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This beautiful, picturesque language, like poetic language. Eagle soaring above circumstances. As a matter of fact, if you have this on a coffee mug or a calendar screen, there's an eagle on there, I guarantee you, right? It's just, it's too easy to go with eagle when you put this verse on something. Because that's what we think. It's just a beautiful, poetic picture of an, an eagle soaring above all of its circumstances and flying above everything. The idea of running and not growing weary. I, I, I run sometimes more than other times, but there's this feeling when you've been consistent in your, in your running regimen and you're, you're in shape and your legs feel strong and your lungs feel strong and your shoulders feel strong and your knees and your hips and you just, you think, man, I could run forever. That's a great feeling. If you're a runner, you've probably been there and you just think, man, I could run forever. Now, for me, that lasts a short period of time and then I'm back to, ah, everything hurts again. But what a great idea. Like, you're going to run and not grow. You're just going to keep going. You're going to get stronger and stronger. You're going to walk and not faint. I love that idea. But all of that, soaring with eagles and running and not being weary and walking and not growing faint, all of that hinges on this little phrase, those who put their hope in the Lord. Those who, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of what they're experiencing, Regardless even of their emotions, they just come back again and again and they set their hope on God. Then the prophet says, boy, these things will start happening in your heart. This strength will become, will start to come and it may not come immediately. But if you keep putting your hope in the Lord, these things are going to begin to happen in your heart. Two comments about hope. One is, hope often comes down to perseverance. Hope often just comes down to endurance. I'm going to take another step. I'm going to take another step. I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to take another step. And I'm going to take another step. Hope often comes down to simply persevering in faith. Paul wrote about it this way in 1 Thessalonians. 
We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor produced by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your endurance inspired by hope. There's this connection all throughout, especially the New Testament, of endurance and hope. And endurance leading to hope. And hope leading to more endurance. And perseverance. And hanging in there. And taking another step. In Romans 5, Paul says, We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces Perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Paul says, look, a lot of hope, it starts with suffering because in that suffering you keep taking another step and you keep persevering and you keep believing and you keep enduring. And at the end of that cycle, what you find is renewed hope in your heart because you just kept stepping. You just kept moving forward. Lewis Meads wrote, waiting is the hardest work of hope. He's so right. And a lot of us have been in those circumstances, that waiting to know, waiting to find out. It's the hardest work, that endurance, that perseverance, that next step, that's continuing in faith, endurance. It's the hardest part of hope. It's why Paul could say about Abraham, against all hope, he kept hoping. He kept stepping. He kept moving forward. He kept his heart and his faith centered on God. Other thought about hope. God isn't looking for perfect hopers. I don't know if hopers is a word, but God isn't looking for perfect hopers. God's not looking at us this morning and going, up, oh, you lost hope. Up, oh, you've given up. Up, oh, shame on you. You don't hope anymore. What's wrong with you? Now, why do I say that? I say that because in spite of what, God's, uh, what Paul says about Abraham in Romans, that against all hope, Abraham believed in hope, when you actually read the story of Abraham, he lost hope sometimes. He took circumstances into his own hands. He stopped trusting God sometimes, and as a result, he paid terrible consequences for those decisions. But when he's remembered in the New Testament, When God is inspiring Paul to write about Abraham, he chooses to focus on the time that he did hope. And you may be here this morning. You may be losing hope. You may have lost hope. You may look back at other times when you realize, I gave up. I didn't endure. I didn't persevere. God's not looking for perfect hopers. God is looking for people that he can come to this morning and say, all right, look, put your hope back in me today. Maybe you gave up yesterday. Maybe you stopped hoping last week. Maybe you've given up on this circumstance. Maybe you're down right now. How about today? You just choose to put your hope back in me. There's this moment in in Jeremiah chapter 14. It's it's kind kind of a change of heart moment for the people. Jeremiah says, Do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? No, it is you, Lord our God. Therefore, our hope is in you, for you are the one who does all this. And there are times in our lives when our hope gets pulled off to other things. And we just need a correcting moment 
We need a moment where we go, you know what, God, I've been hoping in this, and I've been putting my hope in that, and I've been waiting to hear from this, and all of my ambition has been toward that. And maybe there's nothing wrong with those things as goals. Maybe there's nothing wrong with those things as a part of your life, but you've been hoping in those things, and maybe like Jeremiah did, today's a day where you go, you know what, God, none of those things bring me hope, only you. God, i got to bring my hope back to you. Maybe they're not bad things. Maybe they're still going to be in my life. But what I count on, what I'm eagerly expecting, what I'm confident in is not those things that I've been looking at lately. I need to come back to you. And I wish we could do this once. But if, but if you're like me, this is like a constant thing in my life. Because I, I'll let my hope get over on something else. And maybe things are going well. And like I start hoping, okay, that's, that's going to be a good thing. I hope that works out. I start looking in that direction. And, and frequently in my life, I, I have to get alone. I have to say, you know what, God? Those are good things. Maybe they'll work out. But my hope's not in those things. My hope's not in that person. My hope's not in that path. My hope's not in that circumstance. My hope's in you. When things are good. And when things aren't good. See, there's something about establishing where my hope is that gives me the strength to walk through the difficult times and keep my hope on God. To walk through the poopy times, the bad times, the dark times, the hard times, and keep reminding myself, God, my hope's in you. My eager expectation, it's in you. Because nothing else in my life can bear the weight of my hopes but you. Let's pray. God, we, we, we're here today as imperfect hopers. And we struggle with what we see and what we experience in our circumstances. We, we walk through a lot of I don't like that times. And in those moments, in those moments, help us to be people who, against all hope, believe you in hope. Against our circumstances, against our disappointments, against our struggles. That we would hope in you. Because you can bear our hopes. You can handle our hopes. Our good and your glory It's part of what you do. It's part of your purpose and your plans. And we can rest, hope for our lives and our our future. Rest that in you. Help us to hope against all hope. In Jesus' name I pray.